Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. We're reaching the finish line of this two-year expanded vision called More. And that's kind of one way to put it, isn't it? Expanded vision. But I've been thinking lately of maybe a more descriptive way to talk about what we've been up to over the last two years, and I would call it a generosity movement. It's a two-year generosity movement called More. And maybe you're new to Southside, like you've been coming somewhere less than 24 months, or maybe you've been going to Southside for years, but you're a little bit like me and you can get distracted from time to time, and you're kind of wondering, what's this whole thing about? And I thought what I would do is just take a second right now and talk about this generosity movement called More and what's it all about. See, a few years ago, we started to talk about the fact that there's so many churches out there that are really known for what they are against, what it is that they boycott, what it is that they judge other people for. We just didn't want to be that church. We don't feel like that's the church that Jesus established And it isn't the church that Jesus called us to be. So we decided that we wanted to be a church that's known for what we are for. And to put it in a general term, we want to be for this city and for this world. But a couple years ago, as we prepared to launch into this generosity movement called More, we wanted to get a little bit more specific. And so specifically what we said was this. We said, we are for more help, more home, and more hope. That's what we're here for. More help, more home, and more hope. And those three H's, man, (laughs) those three H's have been huge for us. Like if you're looking for evidence that God has gone before us, you need to look no further than those three H's. Help, home, and hope. See, because 24 months ago, we didn't know that there was going to be anything that came along called COVID or restrictions or quarantines or masks or everything that we've lived through over this last 13 months. But you know what? God did. And he gave us those three H's, help, home, and hope. And through some really, really chaotic times, those three H's gave us clarity. Through some really, really confusing times, those three H's gave us direction. What are we here for? We're here for help, home, and hope. And man, has it ever played out that way. Like I can't think of a time in my life when our world has needed a helping hand more than it has needed a helping hand over these last 13 months. And yet I also can't think of a time in my entire life where it's been more difficult to give people a helping hand than it has been over the last 13 months. So you really have one of two choices, don't you? You either find excuses or you find a way. You find excuses or you find a way. You find excuses or you find a way. And we had already said, what are we here for? We're here for help. So we couldn't find excuses. We had to find a way. And so over the last 13 months, that's what we've been consistently doing, finding a way to help. And I can't think of a time in my entire life when the world has needed a sense of home more than it's needed over these last 13 months. Now, again, when I talk about home, what I really mean is I mean a sense of connection, like a sense of belonging, a sense of unconditional love. I can't think of a time that our world has needed it more, and yet I can't think of a time that it's been more difficult with restrictions and quarantines and social distancing. 
So you have a choice, don't you? You find an excuse for not doing anything or you find a way to do something. And what we chose is we chose to find a way to do something. And that looked like all kinds of different things. It looked like when we couldn't meet in person, online groups. When people just really needed to see a, a happy supporting face, drive-through events. When people became disconnected from the school system, which was their lifeline to get enough food for their family, we had deliveries of food sent all over our area. What did it look like? It looked like the largest Christmas lights display in the history of our city. Or just a couple weeks ago, when we felt like our world really needed some good news, some excitement, the largest Easter egg hunt in our city's history. That's what it looked like. That's what it looks like when you decide that instead of finding excuses for doing nothing, you find a way to do something. And honestly, guys, I can't think of a time in my life when our world has needed a sense of hope more than it's needed over this last 13 months. And yet I can't think of a time when it's been more challenging to deliver that message. So we pivoted, we've found a way to deliver the message of the gospel, which says that there is a savior and his name is Jesus. And he actually gives us hope above this world and beyond this life. And here's the crazy thing. In the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the confusion, we've spread that message further than we have ever spread it in the history of our church. Well, why is that? It's because when you decide that instead of finding excuses for doing nothing, you find a way to do something, it's amazing what can happen. So I call it a generosity movement really because if you're gonna find a way to help, if you're gonna find a way to bring connection and, uh, and belonging, if you're going to find a way to bring hope, well, that's gonna require generosity. It's gonna require generosity of time, generosity of talents and generosity of finances. And I'm just so proud of this church that in the midst of everything, in the midst of all the uncertainty and all the chaos, this church has been so consistently generous, not just over these last two years, but maybe especially over these last two years. It's just been incredible. I'm gonna get into some specific numbers in the weeks to come. But I would just like to say this to you. Man, if you're brand new to Southside, if you're new-ish, like this whole more campaign, you missed the beginning of it. Or if you've been here for years, but this whole more generosity movement is something that you kind of slipped your mind for a little while, I want to call us back to it. That between now and May 2nd, when the two-year generosity movement called more kind of stops or, 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 or ends, why don't we end it with a flourish? Why don't we end it the way that we began it? Why don't we end it with incredible generosity? Why don't we end it by saying this? Hey, look. We can always find excuses for not doing anything, but we're just going to keep finding a way to do something. And we're going to believe that if we end this thing off with a flourish, we're going to be completely set up for this next stage of what God has planned for us. And I believe that stage is called revival. I believe that he's going to bring revival to us and he's going to bring revival through us. And I can't wait. So between now and May 2nd, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to go through and maybe explain the the three H's, help, home, and hope, from a slightly different perspective. Same truths, but like a slightly different angle to maybe make it a little bit more clear even. And so I wanted to talk about the four C's over four weeks. And so we started last week and the first C was Christ. 
If you want to look at the DNA of Southside Church, if you want to understand what we are all about, you only need to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 40. And what you'll read in Psalm chapter 40 is that we were in the slimy pit of self-validation. And the crappy thing about it is that the more that we try to meet our deepest longings, to answer our deepest questions within our own efforts, the faster we sunk into the mud and the mire of insecurity, loneliness, anger, and fear. And then some moment in our lives, we lifted our gaze and we saw that Jesus was standing there, had been standing there all along, extending his hand. And we lifted our gaze and we took his hand and he pulled us out of that slimy pit and he put our feet on solid ground. And then he began to change us and he gave us a new song to sing. That our life told a new story. Our life sang a new song. So much so that it caused people not to look at us, but to lift their gaze and to see him and to see that he was there extending his hand to reach them, to lift them out of that same slimy pit and put them on that same solid ground of salvation. That's who we are. That's what we do. And today I want to suggest that the second C that kind of defines the DNA of Southside Church would be the second C is connection. Connection. That if you want to fulfill the purpose that you were designed to fulfill, if you want to live the life, the the full life that you were designed to live, you need connection. And I believe that you need it in three areas. Three areas of connection. The first area that we need to have connection in is we need to be connected to people who have gone before us. In other words, if, if I'm walking down a path in my life, I need somebody who has walked this same path ahead of me and can help me along the way. And so when I look back at my life, I see so many people who did just that. I think of my mom and dad. I think of my grade five teacher, Mrs. Bass, who was the first teacher who I ever had that saw something worthwhile in me and called it out with her encouragement. I think of my high school English teacher, Mr. Ridley. Mr. Ridley was a former professional football player, and he was relentlessly, aggressively kind to me at a time that I didn't want teachers to be kind to me at all. I was a prickly little punk in high school. And I had kind of come to the conclusion that I wasn't into impressing teachers. In fact, it was just a matter of time before they decided to like me, so I was gonna give them something not to like. I was a little jerk. But Mr. Ridley was relentlessly, aggressively kind to me. He wouldn't stop being kind to me. Like I remember I would borderline intentionally show up late to his English class every single day just to make a point. You know what he ended up doing? When I would be late and he would see me coming, he would shut off all the lights in the classroom and have all the other students hide behind the doors. And when I walked in, he would turn on the lights and they would yell, surprise. And I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Oh, there was nothing wrong with him. And I knew it. See, what he taught me was, you should be kind. Because everyone you know is fighting a great battle, even arrogant little high school jerks like I was. I remember Dave Hubert, the founding pastor of City Life Church here in our city of Chilliwack. And when I was a teacher and a coach, he came up to me one day and he said, you need to preach. And I didn't really follow up on it because I wasn't really interested at the time. But every time he would see me over the months, he would say, you need to preach. You need to preach. You're going to preach. Just you wait and see. And eventually I did. And he mentored me through that whole process. And today in our church, we have three overseers. George Franco, Carson Pugh, and Mike Heppel. These three guys are 
all people who in some area of their lives are walking the path that I need to walk just in front of me. And so they give me wisdom because they've been where I'm going. Does that make sense? Here's another way to say it, maybe a little bit more memorable. Um, You should have connection with somebody who has gone before you because it makes sense to have someone else pay your stupid tax. Does that make sense? It, It makes sense to have someone else pay your stupid tax because here's the thing about this path that you're walking on is this path has pitfalls. It has, it has wrong ways that look like the right way. It has, it it, it has bridge out ahead, but you don't know that because you haven't walked it before, but they have, and they can pay your stupid tax for you. You don't have to learn every lesson the hard way when you're connected to people who have gone before you. And maybe you're looking at me right now and you're saying, Mike, here's the thing. It doesn't really work for me because I'm like the smartest person I know. So how in the world would I find anybody to help me? Two things for you. Number one, you really need to stop hanging out with so many stupid people. No, no, you really do. Like Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this, that the walk with the wise and you become wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So really, if you're honestly the smartest person that you hang out with, you need to find some smarter people to hang out with. And secondly, what I want to say to you is that maybe you misconstrued the idea of following along behind somebody who's gone before you. It doesn't have to be someone who's ahead of you in every area. It just has to be someone who's ahead of you in some area. But like, I think we struggle with that in our world. Like it's this false attribution thing. Like we look at somebody and we assume that if they're ahead of us in one area, they must be ahead of us in every area, right? We do that with beautiful people in our culture. We see somebody who's beautiful and we say, well, that person is obviously beautiful, but they're for sure smart then. They're relationally gifted. They're people you can trust. And really they're probably someone I should date and maybe marry. Maybe they are, maybe they're just beautiful. Or we look at wealthy people in our culture and we say, well, look at that wealthy person. Well, he's wealthy, she's wealthy, so obviously they're wise. Obviously, they're, um, they're, they're, they're great with their family. Obviously, they're a person of integrity because they're wealthy. Well, maybe they are, or maybe they're just wealthy. Does that make sense? I find that sometimes in my role as lead pastor at Southside Church. I love my role. I, I, I love leading this church. I love leading us to a soul-level victory. I love being able to say like the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but we're following Jesus and he's perfect and it's this beautiful journey that I'm so excited to be on with you. But it's funny because every once in a while, someone will say, well, you're lead pastor, so you must know a lot about everything. So when we were constructing this brand new building, I would have people come up to me sometimes and say, hey, Mike, with that new building that you're building, how many HVAC units did you have to put on the roof? Like, man, like, I'm just happy that I, I think I figured out that HVAC means heating, ventilation, and cooling. Is that what it means? Okay, yeah, heating. Okay, so I'm, I'm excited that I know that. I have no idea how many HVAC units are on the roof. No idea at all. Or someone says to me, hey, Mike, did you guys decide to use plywood or PMT or something like that? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Or, or did you use two by sixes or two by eights in your framing? I don't know. 
And when, when I say, I don't know, sometimes they look at me kind of like disappointed, like, well, you're the lead pastor. You should probably know. No, 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 I don't. And that's why we hired amazing consultants. And our expansion pastor, Dave Poole, worked with those amazing consultants who have built literally hundreds and hundreds of churches. And they helped us design and build this place, which saved us, incidentally, hundreds and thousands of dollars because they're smart and that's what they do. What I'm trying to say is this. When you're looking for someone who's gone before you, you don't need to find somebody who's ahead of you in every area. You just need to find somebody that has two things going for them. Number one, they just need to be a person of character, right? That makes sense. Like in 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul wrote that bad company corrupts good character. Okay, so you don't want to hang out with someone who has bad character. So make sure they have good character, which basically means this, that, that you see in them love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self not, not perfection, but they're moving in that direction. And you see integrity. In other words, what they say they are, like it lines up with, with the way that they act. Make sense? Okay. So they should have character, but, but, but now they should have one other thing going for them. One other area that you look at and go, man, I aspire to that. So if they have character and a good marriage and you want to have a good marriage, you, you sit down with them and you learn from them. Or if they have character and they're a good parent and you want to be a good parent, you sit down with them. Or they have character and they're good with business, you sit down with them and talk. And by the way, the onus is on you. Every once in a while, I'll have young men and young women come to me and they say, man, there's not enough mentors in this church. Here's the thing that you've got to know about people that you want to follow. They're not going to walk around in crowds saying, hey, can I mentor you? Can I mentor you? Can I spend some time with you? They're busy. What you need to do instead is you need to find that person and you need to sit down with them and ask them some questions. Man, I got to be honest with you. A lot of the success that I've had in my life is because I'm pretty good at this. Finding people I admire, sitting down with them, asking questions and really, really, really listening to their answers. Like, I think if you want to fulfill the purpose that you were born to fulfill, if you want to live the life that's really life that you were born to live, you need to have connection in three areas. Number one, you need to have connection with people who have gone before you because it only makes sense to have somebody else pay your stupid tax. Number two, you need to be connected with people who walk beside you, good friends. Man, there was a time that I absolutely took this thing for granted. I have a lot of good friends in my life. Growing up, my best buddy was Grant King, amazing guy. I remember when I left Red Deer and started attending Trinity Western University, made some friends there. Some of them I'm still connected to, connected with to this day. Remember a couple months ago, we had a drive-through book launch for my wife Corinne's book, Wake Up and Walk On. Man, so much fun. So much fun. And by the way, if you don't have a copy of Wake Up, Walk On yet, you need one. Number one, it's an amazing devotion book. I've gone through it three times personally. But number two, in, in this season that we're in, what we've just walked through, what we're just kind of completing walking through as a world, man, I can't think of a better time that we need to wake up, brush ourselves off, and walk on. We got a life to live. We, 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 we got things to achieve, and now is the time. So if you don't have a copy of this book, you should probably get one. You can text the keyword book to 604-670-3040. But anyways, we're doing this drive-through book launch, and Corinne's outside kind of saying hi to everybody who drives through, and I was inside. And we had some old friends that we knew way back in university days drive up. And Corinne said when she saw them, her eyes just filled up with tears. Why is that? 
I don't know. It's just it's something so profound about people that have walked beside you through an important time in your life. I taught school, high school, and I coached sports for 15 years at this little private school. And I had two good buddies at that school, Steve and Stuart. Steve and Stu. And I was thinking about them the other day. Man, we'd be working late at night or on a weekend or during an exam week, marking exams or planning classes or crunching timetables. And I'd get to the point where I just needed a break and I'd walk over to Steve's classroom and I'd say, hey, Steve, let's take a break. And then we'd walk over to Stuart's classroom and say, let's take a break. And we'd go into the gym and we'd play basketball. <laughs> we'd play this game called American 21. It's like one-on-one-on-one on one on one basketball. And to be completely honest with you, I beat those guys like a drum, like over and over and over. And Steven Stu, if you're watching this, you know it's true. Okay, but that's not the point. Don't know why I mentioned it, but I did. Okay, so here's the thing. We'd be playing, I'd be beating them like a drum, and then all of a sudden we'd stop for a bit. And somebody would say, and then something really cool is going on in my life right now. And we'd be like, man, that's amazing. That's so cool. And we'd celebrate that. Or, or we'd stop and have a water break and someone would say, hey man, I got a big challenge going on in my life right now. And we'd talk about it and we'd pray about it and we'd support that person. And then we'd go back to playing American 21 and I would beat them like a drum again. But it was just over these last couple weeks that I look back at that time and I realize how much I took that for granted. And to be truthful, I kind of miss it. There's something really beautiful about having some people that walk beside you in life. And when we transitioned out of the role where I was teaching and became, walked into the role of youth pastor here at Southside, we had, a, we had some friends in our small group who kind of walked with us and talked with us and laughed with us and cried with us and prayed for us and supported us. And it was amazing. So here's the truth. I told you before, this whole... Um, following people who have gone before us and asking good questions and really listening to the answers. I'm really good at that. In this particular phase of my life, I don't know exactly what it is, but this whole whole walk beside me thing, it's a challenge for me. It really, really is. And, and, And you know what? It might be for you. So why don't we decide together that we're gonna do this, that we're really gonna start to look around and find some people that can walk beside us. Like you need someone that can walk with you and talk with you and laugh and cry and pray and support and play American 21 with you. You need that. You know, if you read in the New Testament of the Bible, you know there's over 100 one another commandments. You know when you read the Bible, by the way, when, there's, when God gives you a command, it's not an arbitrary rule. It's an invitation to be blessed. And so, so you read in the New Testament, there's over 100 one another commands. Like it says, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to be kind to one another. We're supposed to confess our sins to one another. We're supposed to be tenderhearted to one another. First Thessalonians 5 says this, we're supposed to encourage one another and build one another up. And I was just thinking to myself, like if I'm supposed to love one another, I need some others in my life that I can love. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna step into this blessing that God invites me into And I'm going to love one another. I'm going to be kind to one another. I'm going to uh, be tenderhearted to one another, build one another up. You you need some others in your life if you want to do that. It's a big deal to us. It's part of our DNA. Like when this 
place that I'm in right now finally opens up, you're going to see that it went into even planning this location. We've got a, a parent area. We've got a youth mezzanine. We've got a main mezzanine. We've got a big lobby. And, and, and what it's all there for is to facilitate connection. We've got a huge parking lot. And the parking lot is there, and it's big so that if you're hanging out after one service, you don't have to blast out of here when another service is starting. Even this auditorium I'm standing in, it's weird because almost everybody that goes through a tour of this facility says the same thing. They come into this auditorium and they say, how many seats? And we say just over a thousand. <clears throat> and they can't believe it because it seems so much smaller. It seems so much more intimate. Well, that's intentional. Because I really, really believe for you and me that if we want to fulfill the purpose that we were born to fulfill, if we want to live the life that we are created to live, we need connection. Number one, we need we need connection with those who have gone before us because it only makes sense to let someone else pay your stupid tax. Number two, we need connection with people who walk beside us because if we're going to love one another, we need some others to love. And thirdly and finally, I think we need connection with people who follow behind us. This was really driven home to me on my first day of my first year teaching high school. I was 23 years old. And I was like, so excited about that first day. <clears throat> I woke up at 3 a.m. I showered, got ready real quick. I got to the school about 3.30. You know what? I was already planned out, but I just wanted to replan and replan and replan. I wanted the day to be perfect. And the day happened and it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty close to perfect. I'll tell you, it was an awesome first day. And I remember being done thinking, that was great. Like I really did well. The final bell went at the end of the day. I was in my classroom feeling awesome about it. And these two little grade eight wingnuts came walking into my room. And I'm like, what are they doing here? Like the day's over. I did it. I completed it. It's like, wow. And they just stood there. So I thought, well, maybe I'll drop them a hint. So I said something like this. I said, wow, guys, isn't it amazing how quickly the first day went? Like the final bell just went. And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And then they sat down and they started to talk. And those two guys showed up over and over and over again in my classroom throughout the year. Sometimes they would bring other people with them and sometimes they would just come on their own. And I got to know them and I realized that one of them had no dad and one of them had no relationship at that time with his dad. And so what did they really want? They wanted an older guy. I was only 23, but I was older than them. They wanted somebody to encourage them, to be kind to them. Maybe to deliver this message. You got this. It's going to be okay. You're going to do really well. And, and what's crazy to me is if you would have told me three years earlier when I was 20 years old that one day one of the greatest joys of your life was going to be to bring joy to the people that were coming behind you, I wouldn't have believed you. But it's absolutely true. Like one of the greatest sources of blessing in my life is to be a blessing to those who are following behind me. And the same thing is true of you. Tragically, one of those kids did not make it to see his 20th birthday. He died in a car accident before he was 20 years old. And when I look back now and I think of those moments, I'm, I'm glad I spent that time. In, in fact, if I had it to do over again, I would probably spend more time. 
you don't know how much time you have, but you know this. Or I think you will know this if you live it. The, one of the greatest blessings in your life is to be a blessing to those who are following behind you. It's the reason I preach. It's the reason I started preaching. Like when I was a teacher and a coach, every once in a while, I would have somebody come up to me and say, hey, like, do you want to speak at this event or that event? And I would always say no, because I was nervous. I would always say no every time. And then I'd come home that night and I would tell my wife, Corinne, I would say, hey, such and such asked me to speak at this and that. And she would say, oh, wow, that's great. And I said, yeah, I said no. She'd say, well, you call them up right now and you tell them you will speak. And so I would call them up and say, okay, Corinne says I have to speak. So I would speak. I was nervous, but, but, but all I kept doing was this. I would just try to explain from my perspective, who is Jesus? What's the gospel? What does salvation mean? What, what does forgiveness mean? What does heaven mean? And I would just get up and to the best of my ability, just explain that. And when I would get finished, I would have these young men and young women come up to me and they would say, that was the first time in my life that I ever understood Jesus. That was the first time in my life that I ever understood salvation. That was the first time in my life that I ever understood heaven. And I thought to myself, that's why I'm here. I'm not here primarily to teach history. I'm not here primarily to coach sports. I'm here primarily for this. And I would go bigger than that. I wasn't placed on this planet primarily to do whatever. Primarily I'm here to leave this place better than I found it. And so one of the greatest blessings of your life, of my life, is to be a blessing to those who follow behind us. So what about you? (laughs) Would you be willing to do that? So where do I start? I don't know. I, I said earlier, like, I, I don't think that we walk around saying, hey, can I mentor you? Can I mentor you? Can I mentor you? Can I mentor you? I don't, I don't think that works. But what do they say? Like, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Why don't you start by caring? Why don't, why don't you start there? Why, why don't you look around at those who are following behind you and care? Like if you're a parent, why don't you look at your kids right now and just really care about catching them doing something good, encouraging them. If you're an older sibling, why don't you just decide to care about your younger brothers or your younger sisters? If you're a part of this movement called Southside Church, you know, it's not forever now that we're going to be actually meeting all together, right? So can I ask you a question, whether you're 17 or 70, would you be willing to consider volunteering in Southside Kids? Would you be willing to consider volunteering with Southside Youth? Because here's what I think. I think that one of our greatest blessings in life would be to be a blessing to those who are following behind us. And and, and so all of a sudden you think you're giving, but you're getting more than you give. And it's this weird thing, but I've seen it play out in my life again and again and again. And I know the same will be true for you. I love this passage in Psalm 145, it just says this, generation after generation stands in awe of God's work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. I love that. See, I think to fulfill the purpose that we are born to fulfill, to live the lives that we are born to live, to become the people that we are born to become, we need connection on three levels. Number one, we need 
to connect with those who have gone before us because you should probably let someone else pay your stupid tax. Number two, we need connection with those who <clears throat> walk beside us because if we're going to love one another, we need some others to love. And number three, we need to have connection with those who follow behind us because one of the greatest blessings in your life is to be a blessing to those who follow behind you. And just before I close, I just want to tell you the, the first connection that makes all of this possible, right? Like the idea of doing all this, of connecting with those who go before us, those who walk beside us and those who follow behind us, it's all about love. And I just want to tell you the truth. For me, it was really hard to love anybody until I really internalized and believed and took hold of the fact that Jesus loves me. And so I just want to invite you right now to consider that. John 3.16 says it this way, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's his plan. That's his plan. And it starts when you accept his love into your heart. And then that love transforms you and allows you to love those around you. Jesus died for you. He rose again for you. And I guess for me, I just want to give you that opportunity right now to accept that love. Connect with him first so that you can connect with those around you. So let's pray. I invite you wherever you are right now to pray. I'm going to pray out loud. You can pray along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me first. Thank you that you love me so much that you died for me. I pray that you would be my savior, that you would take my past and move me past it. Forgive, forgive my sins and help me move forward. Thank you that you rose again for me and I pray that you would be my Lord, that you would give me the strength to sing the song that I was meant to sing, to live the life that I was meant to live, to tell the story that I was meant to, del to, to tell, today, tomorrow, and forever. I love you and I thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, can you do me a favor? Can you just text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040? We don't want to stalk you, but we really want to support you. You know why? Because we're supposed to be connected. That's why. And for the rest of you, I love you so much. I'm so proud to be a part of this generosity movement. Hey, why don't you make a plan right now to be back next week? I got some details and some exciting things that I want to share with you. But I will tell you this, absolutely positively, it's been a great two years. In all the chaos and all the confusion, it's been a great two years. And the best is still yet to come. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.